podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Bosco's Boys podcast. Happy Monday. I hope your day is going well and you have a great week. We've got a good show today um, talking about some recruiting news in football and recapping the open practice um, for spring football. And we're doing it with our good friend, Derek Young. Before we talk to Derek Young, though, let me talk to you about our friends that sponsor the show. Starting with, of course, Bet Online. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now on pro basketball and the start of Major League Baseball. Royals are 2-0. Who would have predicted that? And, of course, the NBA, the conference races are heating up as teams prepare to make their run for the playoffs. And if baseball is your first love, Bet Online also has you covered. If you love hockey, golf, MMA, championship boxing, um, if you bet on that Final Four game against uh, with Gonzaga against UCLA, um, that was incredible. Uh, one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Um... That would have been a good one. You've got the national championship to bet on as well. Every sport, every game, every matchup. Bet Online has you covered for all the odds and real-time updates. It's the place to be for all your sports betting needs. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to place and check. Use your mobile phone and bring home the game with Bet Online. And of course. I'm sure some of you are aware, but we have been doing locker room shows. It's a new app that's kind of like a live room that you can chat with us on, and you can chat with other people that join the room. It's a really cool live audio-only um, sports talk platform. It's free to download and to use. You can talk to me, Scott, other fans, even maybe some athletes, insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own uh, whoops, just kidding. I'm not supposed to read that part. Um, the other, my own experiences that we've had on the app, I thought that this was going to be really stupid, and I was annoyed that uh, <laughs> that this was something that we were going to have to do. But after doing it with Scott the first time and a bunch of other you know people that have listened to the show for a while, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. We did it during a basketball game, uh, March Madness, and we talked about a lot of breaking news like Dejuan Gordon leaving and where the basketball program was heading, and it was really fun to be able to sit and talk in a room with different people um, that we've gotten to know over the years and that have different perspectives and share the pain and the grief of the lows of the basketball program and what we think the highs are going to be, what the future is going to be. It was a great time, and I'm excited to do it again. Uh, I think we're going to be doing it, I want to say, every Thursday at 6 p.m., um, I may have to revise that at some point. Check the Twitter feed. Um, we will be keeping that updated with when the next time we do a locker room show. Um, but I think it's Thursday at 6 p.m. It'll be a really good time, and we can do it pretty much whenever uh, we want. If something crazy happens, we can we can open up a locker room and use it as an episode, and anybody can join. You just have to download the app, and it's free to use, free to join, and it's a good time. So. Get on the locker room app and come see what see what the fun's all about. And last but not least, a new sponsor, Canaan Sunglasses. Uh, your outdoor experience could be better, clearly better. Canaan Sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. Using Japanese optics, Canaan's lenses are clearer, lighter, and stronger than other lenses and are nearly impossible to scratch. With frames handcrafted in Italy, Canaan sunglasses elevate your experiences outside with a degree of clarity beyond your wildest imagination. So, use the exclusive cone, CanaanCast15 at K 
Canaan.com to receive 15% off on your first pair. That's CanaanCast15, K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Canaan, clearly better. Without being said, check out our sponsors. Head to all those places. Join us on Locker Room App. Let's talk to Derek Young about spring ball and some recruiting. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Ooh, Bosco's boys. Come on, boys. Welcome back to the Bosco's Boys podcast. We're here with a familiar friend from KSO, Mr. Derek Young, the recruiting genius and now the, the top man at KSO. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Uh, just got back from Lawrence, looked at a house that we're probably going to rent for the next couple of years and yeah, about to have a baby. So things are moving quickly, but uh, yeah. enjoy Lawrence. Yeah, we'll see. I, we'll see. Um, I'll make it work. But uh, let's let's get into the cats a little bit. Um, this past Saturday was open spring practice. Before we get into that, I'm you know I'm basically just going to run through position groups, and I want to get a kind of a progress report or uh, what's hot, what's cold. You know, we'll touch on each rapid fire with uh, some some details sprinkled in there. But before we do that, some Saturday recruiting news: Who was on campus for official visits? What can you share about the group of guys that made that trip? Yeah, well, it was more, I guess, unofficial visit just because it's still a dead period. And actually, they were only permitted to do so um, because the practice was open to the public. So it, it kind of turned into a recruiting event of sorts, but there wasn't allowed to be any interaction still between the anybody on the football staff and the recruits. So while it was cool for them to be able to, I guess, go to the stadium, watch practice and stuff of that nature, it still wasn't akin to what a typical recruiting visit would be, unfortunately, because they have to follow the rules uh, of the dead period. But they did have guys, some of their top targets were there. Uh, Linebacker Carson Willich from from Blue Springs, um, the trio from Eudora, with one of them being a commit and and Silas Etter, but also his teammates that have offers. Their 2023 prospects, that's uh, tight end Jaden Ham and and receiver Jaden Bender, Nick Herzog, the offensive line, one of the major offensive line targets from Blue Valley High School in the Kansas City Metro. He was there. Um, I'm probably forgetting a little bit. Oh, yeah. I think there was, I believe, a pretty highly ranked receiver was there, and Jarrell Williams from Alabama, and, and the same for uh, a defensive end that was there from Dallas and Chase Kennedy. Any buzz coming from that group of players? Any new developments that you're willing to share? Uh, no, I don't think there's anything imminent perhaps maybe with the receiver from Alabama if anything he's the only one that's kind of I guess sped up a timetable of sorts and and you know shared on his social media that he could be making a college decision soon and you know the timing would certainly suggest the Wildcats are in at least pretty good shape there at the very least and maybe significantly good shape um the other ones I just I don't feel like anyone's really ready to pounce on a college decision of sorts right now 
I know at times we felt like maybe Herzog would be an early decider. Maybe Carson Willich would be an early decider, but I just don't think it's really trending in that direction for either one. I think both are pretty insistent at this point that they want to take official visits um, when the recruiting period opens up. And that might be in June, as that's why we're seeing official visits being scheduled for that month. And that's probably why they, they've held off a decision or are not in a rush to do so, because there's not a whole lot of incentive in making your college choice now when the dead period might finally come to a close. Right. Well, if you don't have any more recruiting nuggets to share, I say we just jump into spring ball. Um, yeah. Open practice yesterday, uh, Saturday, and uh, let's just start with the offense and start with uh, the most important position, quarterback. How sharp was Skyler looking after being sidelined with his lengthy injury? And does the number seven suit him? Number seven suits him. Looks, it's a number that looks good on him. He, I mean, he's got he's got to improve quite a bit to live up to what that number is meant at Kansas State. And I don't think, and this is nothing against Skyler, but he's probably not played at a caliber yet that, or even close to a caliber yet in his career that would be reminiscent of the sevens that did wear that number at that position. So hopefully he can make that kind of jump. He was pretty sharp. I, I only, I think I only saw one or two throws that were just, I wouldn't say cringy, but weren't the best, but that's, you know, over a pretty large sample size, but still, I guess an observation I kind of made was it didn't seem like he was full go still, which, you know, I don't think anyone expected it to, and he's still ahead of schedule, but he didn't take it a ton of reps, at least that we saw. And then uh, the number two, I think is clearly at this point, clearly Will Howard, um, probably not a huge shock since he was the guy they went to once Skyler was injured a season ago. And, you know, not a lot of time has elapsed between now and then, but he's improved. I think he has more command of his throws. So that was, that was really good. Um, and I thought he had a decent day. He was probably the most consistent of the four quarterbacks. Um, pro- probably didn't have as many like, you know, wow throws as um, Jaron Lewis or Skylar Thompson, but he was probably the most steady, I would say. Um, and he, he did make the, probably the biggest mistake, though, um, when he threw an interception to Nate Matlack during some, some scrimmage action. And then the third is Jaron Lewis right now, but I think he's nipping at the heels of Will Howard. I think he's kind of closed the gap. He's, it sounds like he's had a really good spring, and he had a really good day. Um, there were some decisions that he got away with that were pretty poor decisions, and then some throws where you just like shake your head and like, you know, that was pretty impressive. So he's more of a, a, a has more polarity to his game where he's sometimes he's really really good and sometimes he's really really not and then Jake Rubley's fourth and I think he's clearly fourth so you know he talked about red this coming this upcoming year and it makes a lot of sense for him because he's just uh you know playing like he should still be a senior in high school which he should be and plus he didn't really get to play that much his senior year of high school so he's a little rough around the edges and still has to have the game come to him at this point Moves to running backs. We know what Deuce Vaughn is, how the coaches want to use him. Um, but how do the backup running backs look to you in this open practice? And, you know, who do you anticipate? I know it's super early to call, but who do you anticipate, you know, bearing the carry responsibilities behind Deuce Vaughn? Yeah, this has the potential to be the greatest position on Kansas State's offense, I think. And I know a lot of it's unproven and a lot of it's just potential and what they could be and not necessarily – 
what they have been or might be, but the, the potential of this room is probably higher than at any spot, I think, in terms of a collective unit, because there really isn't a player that I can point to that they're really going to use where I'm like, oh, they're okay. They're okay. It's like all of them, like they, they could be pretty good. I mean, deuce is deuce as we know, and, and we know what we're going to get out of him, but Joe Irvin is really, really good or he has a chance to be really good. He's been really good in practice. He was really good on Saturday. I thought he was really good his true freshman year before he got injured and, and suffered that concussion. And then his you know, season was kind of just trickled away after that. They kept his red shirt, and then that made way for Jacardi Wright. And that's something that folks forget. They talk about – everyone wants to talk about Jacardi Wright, and I think he's because he's the big unicorn, a big back that's kind of a unicorn nowadays. Um and something that the game's kind of going away from a little bit, but Joe Irvin played before Jacardi Wright. Um, and that was, that was intentional. There was a reason for that. It's because he was, you know, ready quicker and perhaps a little bit, a little bit better of a football player. And he probably still is even after sitting out all last season. I think he is, he's probably the most complete back they have on the entire roster just because Jacardi has some of his limitations um, Deuce Vaughn obviously has some limitations just because of his size. So I think the most complete back is probably Joe Irvin. I think he has a chance to be really, really good this season. Keon Mosey has seemed very improved. Um, he, we knew he was pretty fast, but he looked even faster on Saturday. And that's probably because the playbook and the game's slowing down for him. So he's able to think less and, and just go out there and go. Uh, Jakaria Wright was better than the last time we saw him. Um, he had a, you know, up and down season a year ago to which you know he didn't get the reps that people were anticipating getting because he was just not heading in the right direction well he said he's headed in the right direction now but he's still probably behind Joe Urban and, and probably on the same level as Kiyomozi but they offer different things Kiyomozi offers you speed Shikari Wright offers you a little bit more power and, and he was actually a better weapon in the passing game on Saturday than I thought he'd ever be so that's that's an interesting wrinkle as well potential wise Totally agree with you. It seems like there's a lot of depth there um, with guys that have, you know, totally different skill sets and athletic abilities. And the best part mm -hmm. about it is they're all very young. Um, yep. You know, Vaughn, Irvin, Wright, Mosey, guys that all bring different aspects of athleticism and explosiveness and size. It's exciting to me. Um, let's move into the wide receivers. Um, you know, a group that has <laughs> struggled mightily over the past year uh, with consistency, with injury. Um, let's talk about Malik Knowles first. I think, you know, we talked off pod last year, like before COVID actually it was, I think this was the first time, you know, we got out to like a bar in public. It was like in May or something. Um, and it was before the season. And, you know, we were talking about how Malik Knowles has potential to be like a top, you know, five receiver in the big 12. And I still believe that. Is he looking fresh and healthy? I think that's the biggest key. What are your expectations for him if he can stay, you know, away from the injury bug? Still feel that yeah. way? Yeah, the injury bug is always going to be his question. He went through this entire spring without getting injured. So that's about four or five weeks of actual football without really any setbacks whatsoever. And, you know, I don't know if he's ever had that kind of extended period of health. I know it doesn't sound long, but that's, that's been how – much of a injury history that he has had. So maybe he's taking care of his body a little bit better. Maybe that has left a mark. Maybe he's a little bit more durable because he added a little bit more weight. 
or or maybe he was just going through a lot of bad luck and stuff of that nature. But he had a really good spring. His best, you know, extended time that he's had since he's been at Kansas State. And I definitely believe that he's the best, the most talented receiver on this roster by far. It's not close. And I think if he had a completely healthy season with no setbacks whatsoever, I think he, I mean, his ceiling would be first team all Big 12. That's how good he could be if he was given a full 12 games at, at full health. We just haven't seen that. But in terms of a skill set and talent standpoint, I mean, that's what we're talking about in terms of his upside and potential. The unit as a whole, it sounded like made progress in the spring. Keenan Garber sounds like he's been flashing a little bit. We've heard that from the coaches. We've heard that from the players in and media availabilities when we meet with them, they all bring them up, even if not directly asked about. So that's a positive sign. And I've also heard, you know, just from other sources that, you know, it's not just pumping a guy up or a little hyperbole. They they're they bought into it. They think they think it's a, a real thing that transpired this spring. So hopefully it continues on through the rest of the offseason. And he's ready to be a contributor in fall camp. Sebastian Taylor was out all spring because uh because he got injured, I think it was the last game of the season against Texas, so he he wasn't available this spring. Uh, Ty Bowman's a walk-on that they really, really like, and it wouldn't surprise me if he got some run at some point this year. I think he's going to play. I think Jalen Travis might play a little bit. He was a true freshman this past year. They never saw the field and wasn't really ready. I think he has a chance to be ready. Um, and then, of course, you got Phillip Brooks. So those are kind of the dudes I think were – talking about in terms of who might play right away. Brendan Hawkins is a true freshman that enrolled early and played in spring football. I don't know that he's necessarily pushing for a rotational spot yet. Um, certainly not something that I've heard. And of course, RJ Garcia is a true freshman from Tampa that will be here that'll arrive in Manhattan, I think in June. Um, he has a skill set that could play right away. So it'll be interesting if he can grasp things quick enough to do so. Do you know when Shabazz Taylor might be anticipated to be integrated back into the team after his injury? Yeah, I don't know if he'll be do much over the summer or not. I imagine that they'll be slow with him, even if because you would think with the timetable of what happened, that he'll probably be ready around July or August at the earliest. So it might it might be pushing it a little bit to get him ready for game one, but we'll see. Chat a little bit about tight ends and fullbacks. Uh, Daniel Imaterbebe, coaches were, you know, buzzing a little bit about him a month ago. How's he progressed since? I have high expectations for him, not only because he's got an incredible name, but, um, you know, after seeing some highlights of him, he looks like he fits the part, looks like a talented tight end. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, he's really talented. He, I think just from a, a gifted like God's gift set circumstance, he's probably more talented than Briley Moore was. And I've heard that to be quite honest. Um, so if he could stay healthy, we're talking about probably a pass catching weapon that's might be even more effective than Briley Moore. Um, he's an explosive athlete and he showed glimpses of that on Saturday. So I think he has a chance to be really good in the passing game. Um, I think he's probably a little bit more challenged when it comes to blocking even more than Briley. So that's something that'll have to be, uh, will have to progress uh, to an extent to, to kind of keep everyone honest out there on the football field and the, and the opponents. But I do think his upside is pretty high. They just, you know, if he's healthy for full 12 games and we're going to say this for quite a few guys, I, I feel like, yeah. because there, there's some, 
injury prone players on this roster that have high upside. So it's a little bit of a high risk, high reward situation with them. Malik Mills being one and Daniel Imada Bebe being another. Where's Sammy Wheeler right now in terms of, uh, you know, his injury rehab? He's 100%. He, He's 100%. He played, yeah, he played without limitation. It was a collarbone injury, uh, injury for him, so it was only like a six, seven-week gotcha. thing. So he was ready for the spring. I, I think he's probably working number two tight end, maybe number three. Nick Leonard's not really a traditional tight end, so it just depends how you want to phrase it. But I think Leonard's Wheeler and Matter Bebe are, are the main guys they're going to go to. How's my boy Jackson Ian looking? Oh, uh, I, I would say he looks a little bit more in shape than than he has in the past. But and I and I don't say this to be mean, but I'm not sure it matters because oddly enough, he looks very very pudgy, but still is very very athletic when he's on the field. He's a he's one of the oddest players I've ever seen, just because he looks like he's going to run like a six four forty, but he probably runs under five. Like he's far quicker, twitchier, and athletic than someone that shape should ever be. There is going to be a time where he absolutely kills somebody, like with the ball oh, yeah. in his hands. I'm excited to see that. Um, yeah, he's going to be a bulldog that just mashes people the way he gets. Last unit offensively is, you know, a unit that's incredibly important in the offensive line. People say that it's got probably the most depth <clears throat> on the team or one of the units that does. Um, mm-hmm. Who do you anticipate to – kind of be that starting lineup offensive line and do you anticipate that there's just going to be a lot of shuffling in and out since uh september or until september uh i i think that they're probably confident in most of what they would throw out there in terms of a starting unit there's probably a spot or two that remain up for grabs for the most part i think but i think like, I think Cooper Beebe is going to start, obviously. Um, yep. Where that is probably remains to be seen still a little bit. But right now, he's the starting left tackle just because they wanted to nestle Christian Duffy into one side and not really screw with him like they did last year. They thought the, the switching sides kind of messed with him and uh, hindered his effectiveness. So Christian Duffy is going to start at right tackle. I don't think that's going to change between now and September. I think Cooper Beebe is the starting left tackle. That could change just based off, you know, if Car- someone like Carver Wills can really turn it on between now and then. But I would pencil in and starting lap right now is the two tackles being Cooper BB and Christian Duffy. Left guard for me would still be Josh Rivas. Um, I'm not so sure that's a spot that's locked up. I think he might, he could be getting pushed by, you know, a guy here or a guy there. Um, you know, Ben Adler, you know, Taylor Portier, guys like that are are possible answers. Josh Rivas is an answer. Could be Cooper BB if they decide to, you know, play Carver Willis in the starting lineup at left tackle. But right now, Josh Rivas is a left guard. But I, I think I don't know if he's really necessarily punched his spot just because they've had they have built a room full of competition. But right now I think he's the leader in the clubhouse in, in that particular spot. I think Noah Johnson's going to start at center, and I don't think that's changing between now and September. I think he is the kind of the anchor and the fulcrum of that unit and the leader, the go-to guy, and I don't think they'll mess with that whatsoever. So I think he's going to start at center no matter what. The right guard at this point, in the spring, it was Ben Adler. Um, Last year, it was Ben Adler until um, he was tucked inside of COVID protocols. 
But right now, I think if they had to play a game tomorrow, assuming health, everyone was healthy, that would be healthy, it would be Taylor Portier, I think, would be the starting right guard. I think that's going to, and Taylor Portier missed off spring, but he's someone they really, really like and someone that really, really finished last year on a very, very strong note. So I think the battle there could be between Ben Adler and Taylor Portier, and that'll probably be decided in fall camp, but that's probably Portier's to lose, uh, in my opinion. And then obviously, like I said, right tackle, I think is no, no doubt about it going to be Christian Duffy. Well, it's an offense that's young, but certainly full of potential. Um, and I hope that as a whole, they can stay healthy because I do think that there are some fun weapons in there. And I'm hoping that uh, that line can stay healthy as well. Uh, let's get into the defense. And I want to start with the linebacker room because I think it's one of the more intriguing groups this spring. And I want to start with the Utah State transfer, Eric Munoz. Um, not a lot of excitement about him coming in, but I think he will have his benefits with his experience, his age in the locker room. What are you hearing about Eric um, as far as ability and how he's fitting in with like, you know, the linebacker room and where he has it, where is he at in the pecking order? And did you see a whole lot from him yesterday um, in the open practice? I think he's fitted nicely just because I think he has a really good uh, chemistry with his teammates already. And, and I think that one of the, the assets to adding him was his maturity and, and his experience because they lost a ton of snaps and experience when they lost Elijah Sullivan and Justin Hughes. I mean, they were in Manhattan for six years. That, that's, that's a lot to replace in terms of experience and leadership standpoint. So I think they thought that Eric Munoz was important in, in that department. And I think he still is and will be. Uh, I, we did see a little bit of him on Saturday. And I would say that I, I think I had the wrong impression or interpretation of his ability, um, not, not in terms of caliber of play, but in terms of stylistically. Okay. That's because it was a mystery, right? He, he played at Utah State. None of us have, you know, religiously watched Utah State Aggie football. <laughs> and, and he had a career that was interesting, took an interesting path to get here as well. So, but I, he was a little bit light, looked a little bit lighter than I was anticipating. I, I guess I was more anticipating like an inside linebacker type, but I thought he was a little bit lighter, someone that might play on the outside. Because really, what stuck out to me was that he can actually cover quite a bit of ground. He can move pretty well. Um, he's just a little bit lighter and um, not not as big. Uh, I think the guy that that's really kind of taken off at linebacker is kind of taking control of the room and is kind of the alpha is probably Daniel Green. I think he took that step that they needed him to in the spring. So I think he's probably your number one linebacker. But I think um, after that, it's probably a free-for-all. It's going to be between guys like Cody Fletcher, who's who's had a lot of snaps in his career at Kansas State. Um, yeah, after Daniel Green, we're talking about Cody Fletcher, Eric Munoz, who we already, already discussed. And I think Wayne Jones is going to – fit in there somewhere it sounds like he's really emerged and found a more natural fit at linebacker and I will say that even watching him during the open practice on Saturday it, it looked like he was more settled and comfortable on the defensive side of the ball than I've ever seen him like I, I still have some doubts about how that's going to work but all signs so far point to that being a pretty successful move 
I love to hear that about Daniel Green. I feel like, you know, I hadn't heard a lot about him um, for a while. And I think I personally think he has the highest ceiling of any of our linebackers at the moment. So it's good for me to hear that he's taken on that alpha role. Now let's jump into the secondary. Um, another, <laughs> a position that seems to be lacking bodies. Um, but I think we have some talented people in that secondary. Um, any updates on who we think in the roster now will fill the nickel position and is there any names I know we're wanting to be active in the transfer portal for that nickel position or to create some more depth in the secondary are there any names in the transfer portal that you've been hearing at all I think they have playable depth at corner because I think they have four guys there that they like and that's Echo Boydo, Julius Brents, Justin Gardner still here and he's gonna be your third corner and I think that's pretty good for a big 12 roster i think there's a well probably a lot of big 12 teams that probably wish they had that playable depth and, and that's not even counting t denson who i think is still going to find a role there as the fourth corner because Kansas state will play four corners and those third and four corners will probably get 20 25 snaps a game which is nothing to really be shy about i mean that's that's a significant number uh, they don't they do need more corners but they need just to build out the bottom of, of the roster in terms of corner, in terms of playable corners. They, I think they have what they need, just the right amount. And that's why they don't necessarily want to move one of them to nickel because they're in a good spot at corner in terms of who's going to play. And for nickel, that's you know still to be figured out. The, the greatest thing would be TJ Smith coming to a full recovery by the time the season starts and you rule with him and you still probably need someone else and they'll go into the transfer portal and hope to find someone quality enough to land at this point. I think they've chased two or three guys and a Jake Juan Amos was one of them, but he picked Iowa state. I think there was a Jamari Harris as well. And I from Kentucky and he, he went somewhere else too. So I think they'll keep looking, but they definitely need a nickel um, in the, in the transfer portal. Ryan Hennington played quite a bit there in the spring. It sounds like, um, that in linebacker, he's still, you know, going back and forth with multiple spots. And then at safety, I think your starters are likely to be Rusty East and Jerome McPherson. And then maybe if TJ Smith's healthy, he can provide depth of safety too. But I guess some of these guys, you'd like to then have the luxury of only having to focus on one position, not uh, multiple but they're going to have to ask that for some of these guys. Maybe Malachi Mitchell can, you know, emerge and provide some, some depth at safety. Morris Brown, I think, missed most of the spring. But Malachi Mitchell, there was been some whispers. They haven't been really significant or, you know, profound. But there's been whispers that he's headed in the right direction. And I thought he had a really good practice on, on Saturday, too. And then Ross Elder is also still on the roster. I think he was a little bit banged up this spring as well. And, and he'll probably be one of the backups to Jerome McPherson and, and Russ East. But, I mean, there, there it is again. Not, not a lot of bodies there either. They did have a big recruiting class of safeties in this past one. And who knows what will be of T.J. Smith. I, I think he'll play this year. I don't know where and I don't know when, but I think that's going to happen. So, I mean, they, I mean to be quite honest, they could take another transfer safety and it wouldn't hurt at all either. I don't think they will, but – we're talking about them being pretty thin at nickel and safety right now. Yeah, I worry about the secondary, although, I mean, I think we have some serious talent there. Um, Echo, Brunson, Gardner, that's a really nice um, three guys at the corner position. Um, safety scares me a lot. Um, 
just in terms of depth, lack of depth. Um, I'm not that worried about nickel. I think we'll find a guy and it's like, you know, I think we can find a guy to find at nickel. Um, but safety scares me a lot. Um, Ross, the elder on, uh, the conveyor belt line worries me. Um, we saw just kind of where we were in the tail end of last season and how much that lack of depth really killed us. So uh, hopefully we can stay healthy. Um, getting, getting TJ Smith back could go a long way. I agree. I agree. The missile at nickel, let's put them there. Um, D line, there's some big names to replace, but I have faith, um, in the crop coming through. I want to ask particularly about Nate Mack Um, I have high hopes for him. I was excited when we got him as the first commit, I think, of 2020. And um, it sounds like he had a nice day yesterday and looks like his body's matured a little bit um, and he's added on some weight. Do you anticipate him getting any actual reps this year or is he still kind of on the fringe? Yeah, I, he's probably – if we if we can remember how much – how the the minimal snaps that Felix on DK got last year where it seemed like he was getting, you know, maybe five to 10 snaps a game and they were just kind of getting his feet wet, but you could see the talent and the, and the upside was emanating from him, but he wasn't quite ready to play a bunch of snaps. I, I think that's maybe what we get out of Nate Matlack this year, which I think is still a great step in the right direction. His body has matured a little bit. And I do think he's going to be a really, really good football player at Kansas state. Um, I think we see the first glimpses of him this season, but just in very, very small doses. But I think we get some, you know, his trajectory and the path that he's on right now. I think the biggest, uh, when we start seeing him regularly, I think it will be in 2022. That sounds about right. Who's competing right now for the D tackle position? The dude's a die. I think Timothy Horn might be the best even to tackle on the team. Uh, there's a lot of people that really love what he's going to provide for the Wildcats and think that he was just that good during the spring. So I Timothy Horn might be numero uno already at defensive tackle. And, and, and it's great that he's already making that kind of impact and impressing people that much because Drew Wiley was really, really good. And that's the guy he's replacing, I think. And, and I think Jalen Pickles sounds like he's taken – and starting to take off a little bit and made a large improvement as well. I've always liked Eli Huggins. So those three guys, I think, can be really, really good and have a chance to make that a really, really good position. You'd love to bust out another a fourth guy and or a fifth guy. But, I mean, Robert Hintz, Kamari Gaines, guys like that are possible. They were junior college additions a year ago. And they can make the defensive line really, really good if they continue to rise their level of play. It sounds like Tyrone Tallini has as well. So I I don't worry about the defensive line. I'm kind of with you, even though they lost Drew Wiley, even though they lost Wyatt Hubert at defensive end. I think that they probably, unless Timothy Horn is as good as what people think he might be, they probably don't have anyone as good as those two. But I think they have more guys ready to play. I think they have a better group a better committee and more depth at the defensive line this year and just probably a little bit less of the star power i think we have i think we have some decent star power on the defensive end position too i think duke has i think this guy can be the limit for him um Mm -hmm. just the way he runs the way he moves um i don't know i don't have a lot of uh worry about the d line um and i'm excited i'm excited going forward and then let's uh go ahead yeah, I, w- I would say I, I think they're – I don't know if they have the star power they did last year. I think they got some guys that can be star power guys like Timothy Horn, maybe Khalid Duke, maybe Felix on a DK. 
I think Boom is solid and should start too. And I don't know if he's going to really turn into a star all of a sudden, but last year was his best season. And he's really uh, a really solid football player in the Big 12 that could play for a number of teams. So I think he's a good addition or good to have. I'm glad he returned too, because it really makes that uh, deep room that much deeper. And, you know, obviously we talked about name Matlack. So I think they don't have the star power they did last year, but they got a few guys that could get there. I don't know if it will be this year. Yeah, maybe not as much star power, but I would say more quality depth from top to bottom with guys that are ready to go and that can sub in and sub out without as big of a drop off. Um, last but not least, let's talk about the special teams. We are special teams. You for God's sake, um, who are you hearing that's taping, taking reps as returners and, um, how is the kicking game going? We got to replace uh, our little man, our sharpshooter. That was, you know, a pretty consistently good kicker. Um, honestly, won us won us some games over the past few years. Um, in Blake Lynch. Yeah, I think the kicker will either be. Um, we're talking about Ty Zenner was probably. I think Ty Zenner and Jack Bloomer basically. Uh, rotated almost every other punt last year it seems yeah. like um i don't know if that will be the case again it could be um I, they're both still here so you got zender and bloomer there punting they both kicked field goals yesterday or on saturday as well um and ty zender is a very very strong leg you're talking about someone that's probably he can make it from 60 plus and he did a couple of times on saturday um uh, probably not as accurate jack bloomer kicked a little bit i don't think he'll be the kicker tate and winkle um there's another kicker on the team that took reps on Saturday as well. He was probably more consistent and uh, he's a Butler, Butler community college transfer from, from a year ago, um, walk on. So I think in terms of kicker, it might be Zinner, it could be Winkle um, uh, and it could be Chris Tennant. Um, he's not on campus yet, but he was, I think rated as either the number one or number two kicker in the country and he's from Mill Valley High School in Kansas City that they landed. He's like six foot five. This dude's a very big kicker, too. So I think there's potential for him to be the kicker. Um, but obviously, he hasn't um, arrived at Kansas State just yet. Uh, Returning-wise, Phil Brooks didn't take any reps on Saturday, but I probably think that's because maybe he was a little shaken up or, or that was by design. I, I still think it would be a shock if he wasn't the main guy back there. He was the main guy the last year and even pretty much the main guy the year before he shared it with Youngblood. Um, and then, but the guy on Saturday that took the most reps, I think, as a kicker and punt returner was Russ East. And he did that for Louisville. So in terms of kick returners, I would expect maybe it to be Brooks and Russ East and punt returner to be Brooks. Echo Boydeau got, got a couple of reps as a kick returner too. I think he fumbled both of them. So I don't know that we'll see. A ton of that. I'm trying to think. Malik Knowles has returned kicks in the past. I think he had took a kick back for a touchdown against Mississippi State two years ago, if I remember correctly. I think that might have been the game, or maybe it was against Texas. One of those games. Either way, he I think he had a couple reps. Seth Porter took a couple reps. Uh, I think that might be it. No, no one else is coming to mind, but I think it'll be Brooks and Yeast and. I would expect maybe Malik Bowles to get an opportunity in spot duty. Classic Grant. Um, that pretty much wraps it up. I'm excited. 
I'm in the camp of this program um, is in good hands and in good shape at the moment um, going forward. And I don't really bear a whole lot of weight of what happened last year. It's kind of hard to, um, especially the further removed we get away from it, the more you realize that last year was just an enormous shit show. And regardless of what would have happened, it would have been difficult to uh, take, take that season without a grain of salt, even if we were, you know, eight and three or whatever, but um, that's pretty much all I have for you today. I think that was a pretty good roundup of spring ball. And uh, Hey, if there's anything else I'm missing, anything else that you want to share with us, uh, let me know, take the floor. Uh, no, just meet me at the cat head, right? <laughs> Not quite. Otherwise I would just say subscribe to kstateonline.com to get the daily in-depth coverage of K-State sports and the most accurate and up-to-date recruiting news. And of course, you know, a great and welcoming community of K-Staters on the boards willing to, you know, welcome you with the grace and open arms. <laughs> but uh, that's all we got for you today. Um, it's Monday. Have a good show, everybody. I mean, a good week. Thanks for coming on the show, Derek. Meet me at the Cathead. Just kidding. Do not meet me at the Cathead yet. we got to talk to you about our sponsors real quick before we do that. And you guys remember them. It's Bet Online. They have all the hot betting action. NBA, baseball, hockey, golf, MMA, championship boxing, Bet Online. They have it all. Every sport, every game, every matchup. Uh, they have you covered. Just head to Bet Online and uh, you can get in all your, all your bets. They've got all the up-to-date and fastest, easiest ways to place and check in all, all your favorite sports bets all the time, so check them out. Also, join us on Thursdays, I think, at 6 for locker room shows. Um, anybody can join. It's free. It's fun. Who knows what we're going to talk about next time. Um, we hope to see you there. Just download it for free, and it's free to join. And, of course, last but not least, Canon Sunglasses. Outdoor experiences could be better. Way better. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're Italian-made frames. Canon, they only make polarized, polarized lenses. Uh, they're very hard to scratch, and the design and manufacturers are high-performance eyewear to be clearly better than any other sunglasses you've tried before. So use the code CANONCAST15, that's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5, and that will get you 15% off your first pair of Canon's sunglasses it's a great product, so go check them out, and now you may meet me at the Cathead. He was so kind, such a gentleman, tied to the ocean side. Light name match on the suitcases, latch in the fading Ruffled the fur of the collie neath the table Ran out the door through the dark Carved out his initials in the bar Then the earth shook, that was all that it took for the dream Salad them on your tongue, carving on.